Welcome to episode 101 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Inostroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be discussing the season three premiere of Fringe entitled Olivia. The beginning of this episode gives some major T2 vibes with Olivia kind of being in the Sarah Connor position of we know that everything she's saying is true and the person that she is talking to thinks she is batshit crazy. Or so we think. But because this doctor that she's speaking with is working for Walternate and the alternate universe, there might be more going on. As quickly we realize, this episode is going to take place almost entirely over there, which is great. The opening credits are the red-tinged credits, which we began last season, and now we're continuing that on. So when we're mostly going to be in this universe, Fringe is going with a little bit of a different style for the credits, which is awesome. And as Olivia tells us the truth, and basically everything she says If you tuned out and you didn't see everything that happened last season, she fills you in in a nice way that doesn't feel like too much of a recap. It actually has a point. And then we realize through Brandon from Massive Dynamic, but Massive Dynamic doesn't exist in this universe. He works for Walternate in the alternate universe. And we find out what they are actually trying to do is turn our Olivia into their Olivia. And the reason that they are interrogating her and having these questions is because they have already tried one round of trying to implant Folivia's memories into our Olivia, and it didn't take. And they are going to try again, which we find out is a very dangerous proposition. Most people wouldn't survive it. And they give her one more round of this. And that is why the whole opening is this doctor questioning and trying to figure out what's going on because they're trying to see if this has worked. Now, we don't know why on earth would they want to get rid of our Olivia Dunham and her memories and turn our Olivia into their Olivia when their Olivia is on the other side. So, Marcella, what are you thinking as this season opens in a very disorienting way where Olivia is being treated like a a patient It's like she's at St. Clair's. It's like her and Walter have switched spots. What are you thinking? I kind of liked it, but I kind of didn't like it. The thing that I liked about it was during her interrogation scene at the beginning of the episode, I really like how everything that the shrink from the other side was throwing at her, our Olivia was projecting and our Olivia was staying somewhat sane. Later on, a guard comes to get her, is going to move her to another area of the prison. And that's when uh, a pair of scientists try and inject her with a chemical that I assume is the chemical that will eventually merge their Olivia's memories with our Olivia's memories. I'm not too sure about how that will work if if and when that takes effect. And I'm not sure what they want to gain from that. Because the only thing that I can imagine them gaining from that is 
They want to use our Livia to go into our universe. Haven't they already figured out a way to do that? Just last season, they figured out how to rip a hole in our space-time continuum to, to bring the secretary over. So are they trying to figure out an easier way to do it? Or are they after something else that we're not privy to yet that is way more nefarious? So I would have preferred a little bit more on that aspect of what they were trying to do. But again, this is a season opener and I think it did a great job of keeping us disoriented for the most part as to what the goal is of the secretary and why he wants our Olivia to have their Olivia's memories. We're still very in the dark about what the overall game plan is, but also in that opening scene where they're trying to question the sanity of Olivia and secretly find out if this memory implanting has worked. We learn about Folivia things that we didn't know. So they show us a picture of her and her mom. They talk about her boyfriend. They let us know that she was in the Olympics as a sharpshooter, which is a key piece of information that will come into play later. But they feed it to us in a way that doesn't feel like setting up the dominoes so that we can knock them over later. They do it in an organic way that the writing really felt smooth and and right in those moments that I wasn't immediately clocking what they were putting down, which I really liked. Our Olivia, after this treatment, manages to escape in our Olivia typical fashion. She's smarter than people think. She's stronger than people think. And she gets away. She realizes that she's on Liberty Island and has to make a gigantic leap into the water you know, it's Broyles, alternate universe Broyles, who says, like, I think she might have survived, so we got to assume that she's out there somewhere. The first person that she really encounters is a taxi driver named Henry Higgins, and he says, where's your show me? And she said, oh, no, multi-pass don't have. And so we find out that she's not going to be able to get very far without this show me, which is some sort of special identification that everyone in this universe has and you have to show to establish who you are and your status. And she takes this taxi and is trying to orient herself to this world. And so everywhere she's trying to go, she gets somewhere and a building is in amber. They try and go to massive dynamic. It doesn't exist. We're seeing the differences, but I like that Olivia is trying to roll with it. And she does unfortunately take this man hostage and say like, if you screw me over, I will fucking kill your family. What are you thinking, Marcelo? As Olivia is trying to get some footing in such a strange situation. I did appreciate that Olivia is trying to get her footing in the alternate universe. But I, unlike you, I wasn't a fan of her interactions with this taxi driver. Because I would have had her jump off of Liberty Island, make it to solid ground somehow and and basically scrummage for clothes and i would have much rather had olivia by herself trying to navigate her way through an unfamiliar world the fact that she did take a a taxi driver hostage does give our olivia a chance to sort of rest and sort of take a moment and show that Although she's in a difficult situation, she does have some empathy for what she's doing. 
My favorite scene is when she gets to the concert hall that is encased in amber and she tries to go in. But before she goes in, she rattles off the information on the show me from the taxi driver. Even though for the most part, she's been very kind to this taxi driver, she does show that last bit of menace where she says, if you double cross me, I know where you live. Some problems may be coming your way if you alert anyone. I don't like the whole setup of everything that led up to her ending up in the cab. I understand why they did it. I just wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting choice. And I feel like for exposition sake, they just wanted to have Olivia with someone to talk through a lot of what was happening to let us know, because if it was just her by herself with no internal monologue, we might question what her motives are or what she's doing. So it's just a, I feel like it, it was the easiest way for them to have somebody for her to bounce some of these ideas off of. And there is a moment where they go to a gas station and we find out that they are able to track this taxi and somehow they have realized where she is because even though last time we saw him, he was extra crispy. Lincoln is actually looking a lot better than he did last time we saw him, but still absolutely disgusting makeup job on Seth Gable as he shows up and he's trying to plead to his partner like, Hey, come back. You're, you don't know what's going on. We need to get you help. And we realize that a lot of the members of fringe division on this side don't necessarily have all the information. They actually think that this is their Olivia and that she's got some sort of post-traumatic stress issues going on. But we also find out throughout this episode that the people who do know about the swap and we do cut back to a scene where we find out what was said in the finale, make the swap now or whatever it was. Walternate and this broils do know they know that they have made the switch. The rest of team fringe just think that this is their Olivia and she's having a tough time. So I thought that was really interesting. And there is a moment where Walternate is like, hopefully this memory thing will work. And Broyles is like, I need to know why the fuck we're doing any of this. Tell me. And he, we don't see the answer to that, but I appreciated that somebody is voicing what we know to be a concern. Like, why would they want to do this? What is the plan? And it is during that shootout as she is escaping. She makes that shot was one in a million kid. She makes a shot that is incredible. And they say, look, the only person who could make that shot that she made where she just missed killing Charlie is our Olivia. So somehow the, the mad science thing that we were trying to do is starting to happen. That our Olivia is becoming faux Olivia. And they realize that it's because the adrenaline of her escape and these close calls is actually making the thing that evil massive dynamic who's not massive dynamic was trying to do start to work. As we realize that the more adrenaline Olivia gets pumping, the more our Olivia actually starts to fade away and faux Olivia starts to take hold. I thought that was a very, very unique story technique to tell us our Olivia being under stress actually contributes to their serum turning our Olivia into their Olivia. I'm just not 
sure, again, I said it, you know, I said it at the start of this episode. I'm not sure why they want that to happen. And the whole thing about this Broyles knowing that this Olivia is in fact our Olivia also makes me wonder, it's like, what do you guys want? I'm not asking for the, the fringe writing staff to give me everything all at once. I just would have preferred for them to maybe leave a little bit more hats on the ground because this episode felt to me like questions upon questions about questions about questions. And that's what you want for a premiere. From my aspect of someone who has seen the show before, I'm sitting there going, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Like, what's going to happen? So I found myself being intrigued, but being frustrated at the same time with some of the story uh, avenues that they went down in this episode. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. I think that they're still, they're really setting up a lot of stuff that we have no idea where it's going to go. But I did really like that as they escape and she does that one in a million shot, Henry pulls the tracking device out of the cab and throws it on the ground. And so now at that moment, he's actually invested because up to this point, he has just been, you know, being held hostage basically. But that's where he says like, I see something's going on here that maybe is not right. And I'm not going to be a passive participant. I'm actually going to help you. And that is when they make a long trek to massive dynamic that doesn't exist. And when we get there and Olivia is distressed, she then decides, okay, I'm going to go to this place that I think is a safe house. And when she gets there, that is not what it is. It is actually that Folivia's memories are taking over a little bit. And it is Olivia's mother's house in a weird twist of events. You know what I was thinking about the Henry thing? You want to know who he reminded me of? And this is not because of the color of his skin. He reminded me of Jamie Foxx in Collateral. Like being the unwilling taxi driver. Does that make Olivia Vincent? She just needs the cool silver hair and we got it. Absolutely. When our Olivia makes her way to see her mother in this alternate universe, similar to the scene with Peter and his mother in uh, the 100th episode that we talked about last week. I really like this moment as a child of someone who was rejected and who was left alone for 10 years. When my mother came to see me and gave me a moment of her time, I just collapsed like butter. And I just had this, weary, uh, weary look in my eye and I couldn't think straight. And Olivia's reaction to seeing her mother for the first time in God knows when really had shades of my experience. So I'm, I really like that the writers of this episode did that for Peter in last week and did that for Olivia in this week's episode. I thought that was great on an emotional level for me. Yeah. Definitely very interesting stuff. I do want to call out one thing. We didn't mention it in the, the pod last week. We saw some pop culture differences between the two universes where Peter mentioned that they were very subtle differences. Red Arrow, Red Lantern. Um, there was also, sorry for anybody who's listening to this. There was also a Mission Impossible shout out last episode that I, I totally missed where the fannies show up 
to this to the massive dynamic building or whatever and they're like oh this is so mission impossible and i'm like oh we we got a mission impossible shout out and somebody mentioned tom cruise in one of these episodes too but uh the slight differences in the universe uh henry higgins makes a star wars reference so star wars and jedi presumably are in the alternate universe as well that is not something that was different and I thought if they wanted to put a twist on it, he should have mentioned that it was a Sith mind trick. And maybe in their version of Star Wars, the Sith could have been the good guys and that would have been subtle. But I liked that there was a Star Wars reference in this episode that lets us know that Star Wars traverses galaxies and universes and is just as powerful there as it is here. And of course, this is well before Bad Robot would be involved in Star Wars, but it just shows there is... There's Star Wars in all universes, which I love. Also, there's a reference that uh, John F. Kennedy didn't get shot in this universe. Uh, Martin Luther King is still alive in this universe. So, I mean, from the outset, this universe looks evil because it is being led by a version of Walter who is who is way past nefarious. But there are things about this universe that make our universe look like crap. And they were just and and decisions were made in this universe that if we would have made them in our reality, maybe our world would have been a little bit better. So it's always nice to see things like this in the fringe universe that we don't often see in uh, Bad Robot for the most part. Yeah, it's those subtle things where you can tell that people are having fun, where we see a little bit of the, the difference in the alternate history, which is also something that the Apple plus show for all mankind has a blast doing showing the slight differences in their timeline versus our timeline. And so I thought I like when fringe does that, even the stuff as subtle as like, you know, red lantern, red arrow and the stuff that's not subtle, like Eric Stoltz in back to the future. But I love those small little differences that every time we are over there, we can have a little bit of fun with the alternate history in a world where 9-11 didn't happen and different presidents happened. The only scene that we get in this episode in our universe is at the very end when we see that Peter is giving a debrief on what happened to some sort of Senate hearing or something, which was a little bit odd because I didn't know how forthcoming we are being with the government about this situation so that took me back a little bit and Peter gives the debrief and there seems to be a little bit of skepticism and worry about what actually went on and whether they can just trust that Peter is out and about doing his thing if he is such a key player in possibly destroying our world. But then we see him and the bitch Folivia share a kiss and they're going to go to dinner with Walter. So the thrill that the shippers got in the finale is kind of like a knife in the back in this final scene of this premiere. Peter does not know that this is not his Olivia. And I want to make clear something that will come up from me time and time again, is that I think the reason I like Peter and Olivia's story so much is their shared history of what they have been through together as that exact version of Peter and that exact version of Olivia. So I don't necessarily 
just want any Peter and any Olivia to be together, but specifically the ones that we have hung out with for 48 episodes of television. So I am pissed off when he doesn't clock that this is not his Olivia. What are you thinking, Marcelo? I am interested in seeing how their relationship is going to differ from the potential relationship that we would have seen our Olivia have with Peter. And I am fascinated to see how much of a goddamn fucking idiot Peter is going to be. The fact that he is not going to be able to notice that full Olivia isn't his Olivia is going to lead to one of the best scenes in the entire series for me from an Olivia and Peter standpoint in my favorite episode of the entire series that I think happens this season. So like you, there are going to be moments when I am hopping mad that Peter can't recognize the differences that are right in front of his face. I really think that the writers are going to show us that full Olivia is doing a job. But I also think that the writers are going to show us that full Olivia does have a heart and she's not entirely all bad. I think that they're going to show us that she has some redeeming qualities. I'm not sure that they're going to be enough to bring me around to liking her more than our Olivia. On second thought, that's not going to fucking happen. I think it's a tour de force active performance by Anna Tour because essentially she's playing two roles. She's being two different people in two different universes. And not a lot of actors can do that. Yeah, I love that they're giving our actors more to do and they're having so much fun getting to play these dual roles. And I'm very interested to see where the rest of season three will take us because this premiere gave us just enough to get us excited and frustrated and pissed off. But definitely going forward, Fringe is really hitting a creative stride. And it's nice to see that we are really getting a rich mythology and laying down a lot of cool things for them to explore this season. Behind the scenes, J.H. Wyman has taken the has taken the show, you know, by the horns at this point. He is the showrunner at this point. And I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see how you're going to react to that, because you're not a fan of what he does later on in this season and later on in other seasons. So I'm really interested to see how we are going to differ in our opinions as to how J.H. Wyman runs the show moving forward. With all that being said and done with, uh, that'll do it for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, guys, if you like anything that we do here and you want to reach out to us, there are multiple ways to reach us. First, you can just reach us on Twitter by simply using the hashtag Radio 815, or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter account. It's JJUniverse815. Or if you want to talk to me personally about anything having to do with Fringe or anything else, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But Matt, if the good folks at home want to reach you, what would be the best place for them to do that? The best place is on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Until next week, as always, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.